they're like 18th century costumes all made from paper but I, I, I can't remember what it's called so that's fairly niche isn't it that is very niche Welcome to episode two of Izzy and Gina in Stitches, informal conversation about life in general and embroidery in particular with me, Izzy Moore. And me, Gina Ferrari. Hi, Gina. Good to see you again. How how have you been the last couple of weeks since we did this? What have you been up to? I've been good. My head has got better, which is a good thing. Excellent. I've been out walking on my own and I've actually driven, which was a big step. Yes. Um, but I still can't kind of go up and down very quickly without getting a bit dizzy, but I'm okay. Good. I'm glad you're on the mend. Yes. And what have I been doing? Gosh, I finished the online course that I was starting, which I've got some videos recorded and that went out last week. And that's a free course and there will be details in the show notes. So is that up and running now? Yes. Right. Okay. Brilliant. Open for open for enrolment until the end of the year, and then if if you enrol before the end of the year, you've got lifetime access. Fantastic. That's superb. Yeah. What else have I been doing? I've made my Christmas cake, which anyone who knows me is quite an achievement because usually I do it the week before Christmas. I, I think maturity is overrated. <laughs> I used to make ours in half terms, October, end of October, half term, but I haven't the last couple of years. And this year I haven't done anything about it, apart from having a vague idea in the back of my mind, I'm going to do it on Sunday. Um, So, yeah, so we'll see if that actually uh, comes to pass. I've bought the marzipan. I'm not going to make the marzipan. I bought the marzipan. And this year I have also bought fondant icing. And uh, that has not gone down well with the troops, I have to say. My daughter's insisting on having royal icing, so she can do that if she wants that. I was just going to say that, that my attitude to that would be, well, if you want royal icing, you know what you can do. <laughs> so, but, I mean, I, I have to admit, I do prefer it, but I was in the sort of, right, that'll do, can't be bothered sort of frame of mind when I, when I saw it on the shelf in the supermarket. So I thought, right, I'm just going to get it and then. I know it's there for if I, you know, if I do get round to making the cake. Um, yeah, I've not got that far. I haven't got marzipan and icing. I've just made the cake. Oh, that's so. all I've done. <laughs> that's all I've done. <laughs> if worst comes to the worst, we'll just eat the marzipan. Well, we combine efforts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not really done anything creative at all. I've been playing what I've called sort of, uh, clutter solitaire. We've been moving heaps of clutter from one part of the house to another because we had a new boiler fitted so we had to empty kitchen cupboards so things got put on the dining room table so all the things on the table which were mine had to come into my room and uh, I had to clear a surface in my room where the fuse box is because the electrician had to get into the fuse box and all my stuff in my room was in front of it so that got put on the floor and we also had to put the kettle in here as well. This all sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, so nothing has been put back. And all the Tupperware and the jam jars are still in Ingrid's room, but she comes home on Sunday, so I'm going to have to sort them. And the problem with clutter, I've seen it defined as being a decision that's deferred. And that's definitely true. 
because I don't want to put anything back in the kitchen cupboards until I've had a sort out. But that means actually making the time to do the sort out. So in other words, nothing's been done. So I haven't been able to get to my desk to do anything <laughs> creative. I haven't done any sewing. So I've been doing lots of computery things and I've sorted out my website. I've been doing some more on my course and I've been playing with Photoshop and thinking about getting some fabric printed for Christmas presents. It's an idea that's been going around my mind for a few weeks. So I thought, right, if I am actually going to do this for Christmas, I need to get it done so that I can get the stuff printed and then make with it the things I was going to make. This sounds like me. I always get really good ideas for Christmas in the like two to three weeks beforehand. Yes, yes I refuse to do anything about it in November. It's just not right. But as soon as December comes rolling around, I suddenly think, oh my goodness, I've only got 20 something days. I better crack on. <laughs> Well, you've probably also seen I've been distracted. I was clearing clutter in my studio right. and found a bag of stones, which I must have, or pebbles I collected years ago. I had no idea why I was holding onto them. And there's a thing in our village where people paint stones and they're hiding them for children to find. And then they can take photographs or their parents can and put them on a Facebook page and then they hide them again. Yes, we have that here. Secret stones. Yeah, secret stones. Yes, so I've been painting stones and releasing them into my village. So that's taken up a few mornings. Oh, but that's brilliant fun. That's excellent. Good fun. Do you know if any have been found yet? Yes, yes, it's exciting. I keep, you know, of course it means you're checking your phone all the time just to see if anybody's posted pictures. But yes, they have. <laughs> excellent. Oh, that's superb. Brilliant. Right. I was going to mention something else that's happened in the last couple of weeks. I thought it's a good time to slot it in. I'm talking about books today. I have an article out in Wow Book 6. And if you hadn't mentioned that, I was going to, because I have somewhere, I have my copy here, which oh, arrived excellent. yesterday. Yeah, fantastic. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. OK. You're not going to say any more. No, it'll take up too long, but I'm very excited to have an article. And I think next year I'm going to actually use that as the basis of an online course as well. So, Excellent. That sounds really good. So if people want to find out what Jean is talking about, it's the wow book from D for Daisy books and it's book number six and it's out right now. At, is it D for Daisy.com? Yes. We'll yeah. put the link in the show notes. We'll put the anyway. link in the show notes. Yeah. So I think that probably brings us on to our main topic. And we thought we would talk about our th three favourite textile books or textile related books. And it's been a subject of debate over the last couple of weeks as to what we meant by textile books. It um, highlighted some interesting conversations about what we meant by yes, Yes, and it's highlighted the differences between us. And uh, who's more likely to overthink things and make things more complicated than they actually have to be? <laughs> no prizes for guessing who that might be. Who's the one who just jumps right in and opens her mouth and sees what comes out? <laughs> <laughs> but also gets things done. I make mistakes sometimes. Well, don't we all? But um, yeah, we, we were laughing about this over breakfast this morning because I think my husband is very much like you. He likes to get everything sorted out and know what categories things are in and plan everything and I was just like oh let's just do it <laughs> so yeah. I like I like the idea of everything being sorted out and in its place 
so that I can then go on and do whatever I want to do in a creative sort of way, knowing that everything else is sorted out. It sort of makes me feel more free to, you know, just when, when I know that everything is ordered, then I feel creative. <laughs> the fact that I live in such a heap of clutter <laughs> might have a lot to do with the fact that I haven't managed to get anything done recently. Right. Yes. I also go off on tangents. Right. Let's get back to our main topic. So I think we should just take it in turns and mention one book each we're going to go through. We've got three books we're going to talk about. And there were some that didn't quite make the list, but we will list those in the show notes as well. won't we? So, Do you want to go first? OK. All righty. I will go first. So my first book, I have put this in the inspirational pile. And this is Mixed Media Inspirations by Beryl Taylor. And this was published in about the time I was doing my City and Guilds. So in the noughties, in 2006, I think. And it was one of the first books I'd seen using lots of different materials. So mixed media, um, as the title suggests, mixed media inspirations. And because we were doing City and Guilds, we were using lots of different materials and techniques as part of the course and so this book really appealed because it was eye-catching it's very pretty and it's not all sort of black and grungy and <laughs> melted so there's a lot of books about experimental techniques in textiles using heat guns and things like that and it's all yeah using plastics and Tyvek and things that melt and that you can burn holes in. And while there is some Tyvek mentioned in this book and doing things with, um, oh, what's it called? With velvet, where you, Devore? Devore, yes. Yes, sort of melting, the, not melting, dissolving away the pile of the velvet and then- Burns it away, doesn't it? Yeah, it burns it away, etches away the pile of velvet. So there's things like that in this book but it's all in lovely colours. It's all quite pretty. So I, I, I just really like it. And it was from this book that I first saw the idea of stitching on paper. And okay. I used her recipe for making fabric paper or paper fabric um, for stitching on paper. So that's where I first started doing that. There's also a, a nice little section on hand embroidery stitches which is good for someone like me because I haven't got the patience to learn much more than sort of five or six. And at the back of the book, there's some lovely pictures of all her little collages and assemblages using all these different bits and pieces. And so it's just really nice to look through just to get inspiration for using old papers and things. And it's all my favourite things. So there's beads, buttons, paper, but it's in pretty colours. It's not grungy and grey and black and melty. But also, this is another thing that I've noticed with books about mixed media, using paper and buttons and things. They can be very sort of whimsical. There'll be little faces with wings and things like that. And I, that really doesn't do anything for me at all. And there really isn't any of that in this book. There's some hearts and for little flowers but otherwise it's just quite quite nice oh it sounds a nice book i'm not sh not sure it's one i'm familiar with so right the first one i've picked as inspirational was inspired to stitch 
21 textile artists, and that's by Diana Springle. That dates back to about 2005, I think. And it's basically almost like a CV of 21 textile artists, some who are no longer with us, some who are practicing today. And I actually went to a talk by Diana Springle at the Victoria and Albert Museum and where she introduced the book. I think that's where I first heard about it. And she was just so inspiring and interested. She has a great collection of textile art herself. And she talked about the interviews she did with some of these people. And it's presented sort of one at a time, each artist in turn. She gives a CV of what they've done, where they've started, and lots of photographs of their work. So for me, I just like looking through to see how other people have progressed and what they've done, what they're doing. And their styles are all totally different. And it's just like going to a lovely gallery full of beautiful textiles. And it's the sort of textiles I like. Again, beautiful colours, very clear, a lot of it, not a lot of melty, grungy stuff, which is, I don't like that as well. And you probably find this when you teach machine embroidery. I don't know why machine embroidery seems to be linked with Tyvek and melting and dissolving. Tyvek, and... melting, dissolving, burning yeah. things. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Because for me, machine embroidery is all about the stitch. And yes. Stitch. So, and I like mixed media and that's fine, but not necessarily with machine embroidery. So, yeah, I just love that book for that. It's just a lovely book to look through. And I think that's how I tend to use textile books more, just to look at the pictures. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I have, I go to the shows and I choose my books when I go to the shows. Well, when I can go to the shows, so like the knitting and stitching show. And it's one of the first things I do. I go to the book shops, the bookstalls, and I look through all the ones that have been on my shortlist and I check out the pictures and I yeah. see if it's inspiring by the pictures and the words, not, not so much really. Yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, one person's interpretation of a theme or their rationale behind it, it's important to them maybe. And it's good that it's there because you know it might give the work sort of more depth um in the way they've explored a theme but i think as a viewer i don't necessarily need to know that this is sort of leading on to another discussion isn't it, it is but that's somebody else's journey isn't it yes their interpretation of the theme and things like that and yes yeah this is a visual art so we are drawn to how things look primarily and then if we look deeper there's a story behind it so then if you want to find out more about that artist you can then read on in your book as to you know what the work is all about and the rationale behind their work well I have to say this book by Diana Springle is one where I have read the words because it's the story of an artist's journey through their art practice and where they started and where they ended up so it's actually quite interesting yes that is interesting yeah definitely Okay, so my second book goes under the useful category and it's Machine Embroidery Stitch Techniques by Val Campbell-Harding and Pam Watts. And this is basically like City and Guilds in one book. It's sort of everything that we learned from beginner right up to more advanced 
it's got all the stitch techniques and there are useful little um, boxes of all the stitch settings how to set up your sewing machine for each stitch talks you through there's lots of suggestions with ways you can explore the different stitches and there are lots of photos but it's a sign of you know when it was first it was first published in 1989 gosh yeah so there's not that many color photos in it and there's not a single color photo in the exploring color chapter that's interesting isn't it yes yeah <laughs> so, i do agree it's a really useful book because it was on my short list as well wasn't it yeah. yes it's old-fashioned but it, it, it's it, old-fashioned in that it's about machine embroidery there isn't any mention of these sort of newfangled materials like Tyvex and luchadors and things like that. It's about the stitch. It's about your sewing machine and it's about the stitch. So that's what makes it really, really useful. It's highly practical and it's a stitch technique book with suggestions for how you can take it further. Um, but yeah, it is a technical book, but it is invaluable. It's really useful. A really useful book. And we probably should mention that Pam Watts was our tutor. Yes, so. she was our tutor. And yes. a great stitch technician. Absolutely. No, she was the best. Yeah. Indeed. And we were so lucky to learn what we learned from her. Yes. Totally agree. Definitely. Okay. So my useful book, because Izzy made me put things in categories. So I'm sorry, I've got to have I a didn't book. make you. You didn't have to. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Sorry. <laughs> I told you I open my mouth and things come out. <laughs> anyway, my useful book, and I think useful books tend to vary depending on what I'm doing, but one I really like is from Art to Stitch by Janet Edmonds, who was also a tutor at Missenden Abbey at the time we were there. And I like this book because certainly when you're teaching, when you're doing sketchbooks with people and things like that, or you've got an inspiration or you give a group a theme, and they do some work in its sketchbook and then it's like well now what do i do how do i go from that to the stitch to a finished object and people do like making finished objects you can't get away from that and janet does she takes five or six artists i can't quite remember and she looks at their work she takes an element of their work she then explores that in sketchbook form she then goes on and explores the same thing in stitch and then she goes and makes something from it. And I don't particularly like the book because I want to make those things. I just think it's interesting to see the process from one to the other. And I find it useful teaching when, because that is just something people always ask. Yeah. How do I get from here to there? Definitely. Yeah, I agree. And I've got that book on my shelf as well. And like you, I wouldn't necessarily want to, do anything from the book I don't particularly like the designs the things that she um, has featured in the book but it is really useful to see that process and to see how something can be explored and taken in different directions yeah yeah totally okay so is it my turn now I think so right okay so my last book this goes under interesting and not strictly textiles in fact it's not textiles at all and this is Celtic Art, The Methods of Construction by George Bain, which is an absolute classic uh, in the world of learning how to uh, draw Celtic knots, construct Celtic knots. And I found it in a tiny little bookshop on Harrison Lewis when 
we went uh, with my husband, who wasn't even my husband then. I don't think he was even my fiance. I think I was holding out for a nice little Celtic knot engagement ring. <laughs> Didn't get one, but there we go. <laughs> and so I found this little book in a shop on Harrison Lewis, and it's probably the first arty book that I ever bought. So I will never get rid of it because I love Celtic knots, but I haven't necessarily worked my way through it. Um, I've done a little bit. So like I say, we were on Harrison Lewis and we were wild camping. So that's where there isn't a camp, where there weren't any campsites. There might be now, but there weren't then. That just terrifies me. <laughs> camping anyway, but <laughs> camping anyway, but yeah, particularly wild camping with no facilities. Um, so we were camping out in the wilds and the weather was interesting, to say the least. And in the evening, we would lie in the tent and we'd bought a bottle of Talisker whiskey from the Isle of Skye on the way up to Harrison Lewis. And we would be in the tent with our bottle of whiskey, trying to learn Gaelic from a phrase book. <laughs> and, and then I picked up this book. And so during the day, if it was also raining during the day, I would spend the day drawing in my notebook lots of little dots and trying to learn how to construct these Celtic knots. That sound really interesting book, I have to say. It, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And it starts off simple. You just say, oh, yeah, grid of dots. I can do that. Yep, yep. Okay, draw these lines there. Yep, yep, got that. And then, oh, no, hang on, I've lost it now. <laughs> and it gets complicated really quickly. So I haven't really progressed far, but I can do a few. And I have used them, actually, in my teaching. Um, I did unfortunately reduce one lady to tears once. <laughs> There's a very easy way of learning how to do interlacing by doing a picture of an octopus with eight legs and the way you draw it and then fill in all the lines, the crisscrosses. It's sort of straightforward if you're in the right frame of mind. And I think I caught her on an off moment. She did forgive me. We're good friends and it's all right. And I did text her after <laughs> the class to say, I hope you're okay. I hope, I hope you're all right. Sorry. <laughs> Um, oh dear. Oh dear. I did find a little octopus emoji as well which I sent her which made her laugh <laughs> I'm going to be interested to see this now oh, well my final book which I guess I don't like the word interesting it's what you say when you don't know what, don't know what else to say isn't it mm, interesting <laughs> so but it's it's interesting it's totally inspirational it's kind of textiles and that's Alexander McQueen, Savage Beauty. And wow. It's a, a catalogue of the exhibition, Savage Beauty, which was first at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And I bought the book then because I just love the work of Alexander McQueen. I've got quite interested in fashion, not for me wearing it, as anyone who sees me will know. But certainly I like the inspiration behind it and everything else. And then, of course, Savage Beauty came to the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. And it was mind-blowing exhibition, um, totally. And the book is the most glorious photographs of all of the exhibits wow. with a little bit of the reasoning behind them. And I just, I think the man was genius, bordering on insane, <laughs> possibly, because, I mean, it's very dark, a lot of dark themes, which just does appeal to me. And it's just stunning, beautiful, beautiful clothes. And I just, it's one of those, it's a big coffee table book. It wasn't as expensive as you might think it would be, given that I ordered it when it was out from New York. And right, wow. 
it's just one of those that I can just sit and look at and think, wow, this is how do you get from that first idea again to that finished, completed thing? Yeah. Fascinates me. Yeah. So. That's an inspirational book. Yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry, I failed the categories. No. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I was getting my knickers in a twist about the categories anyway. So don't worry. <laughs> And I guess we could just go on and on with lots of books. Exactly, exactly. But I think it's, I was having a think about your question, you know, why do we have books like this? How useful are they? Why do we have them on our shelves if we don't use them? And when it came to choose them as well, I chose some and I thought, yeah, but would that be a desert island book? Do I actually need it? Do I actually look at it? why is it there would I ever because I have just had a cull of books actually and I got rid of some uh, I've, some of the ones that are on your list and your short list as well I have either got or I had until very recently um so it's quite an interesting question you know why do we have them and why why are they there if we don't look at them and the reason I came up with it sort of they're like um it's like a comfort or security yeah I was just going to say to you security blanket it's to know that this is what we do we work in textiles there are other people doing it it's yeah yeah I I've written down here I've written a note I've said um it's like a scaffolding or a framework so I'm not alone with a blank page in my mind oh well that's a bit deep I know it's a bit deep (laughs) (laughs) I think I mean you know if I'm feeling a bit blah and a bit I really don't know I look around and look at all this stuff in here and I really don't know where to start or what to do just to know that the books are there means that there's possibilities there'll be an idea in there somewhere even if I just sit and look at the pictures for a while something will spark something and I'm off again off off and running again yeah I think that is exactly how I use them I often don't ever pick them up sometimes I think oh there was a useful bit about something that I'm working on and might look up to see what somebody else has done yeah but most of are like can't think of what to do today I'm just going to look at some of my books yeah and I did have a big cull of my textile books because we moved 18 months ago and I knew we weren't going to have the same amount of space so I really got I've got rid of a huge pile and I think some that you probably buy without thinking too much about it. I mean, certainly when you're doing City and Guilds, there'd be these new glossy big books out with lots of pictures and you'd just buy them. I think that's the thing. When you are in that phase, when you are in learning mode, particularly with something like City and Guilds, when you're on a course, you've got a syllabus to follow, you're learning new things, you've got homework, you're in that student mindset, you're learning all the time. So when the latest book comes out, you want to learn all there is to know. So, and and also at that point, you haven't really made any decisions about where you want to go or haven't been able to make those decisions because the syllabus dictates you've got to do this, this and this. So you're in that sort of sponge mode of just absorbing everything. And then it's only years later, you can then start to look at your bookshelf and think, actually, no, I don't ever look at that. I don't need that. I don't like that. Um, and start to just sort of refine it down to what do I like? What, I, what do I find inspiring? Yeah. And interestingly, again, choosing books just for this episode, there were a lot that I pulled off the shelf and thought, I'm not sure why I've got that. 
you know, I'm not really going to look at it again. Yeah. I, I, when I got rid of all my books, I, I sold them on one of these websites, like we buy books. Yes. I've done perhaps that. the ones that I didn't get an offer for probably went back on my shelf. I have managed to give some to friends and I have sold a few um, through my Facebook page. Actually, I did a little sale through my Facebook page um, to people who, who wanted them, who'd been always looking for, you know, some, some of the books. And uh, so they were very happy with them. And if they've gone to a good home with people who are excited by them and, and love them, like I, I must've done you know, in the beginning when I first had them, then that's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Talking about categories, when we were first talking about this, um, one of the categories, I don't know why my husband suggested it. He said, why don't you do niche? What's the weirdest book you've got or the most unusual book? And so that's why I picked up this one, this traditional dress, knowledge and methods of old time clothings. I picked this one up in Canada when we were visiting the Glenbow Museum, which is probably one of my favorite museums in the world. And it's a book of native american and canadian dress made out of things like blankets and skins and it's got patterns in it which is fascinating but they're not patterns like a dressmaking pattern it's more like a suggestion you know cut this rectangle out cut a slit here you know cut armholes there there you go and that's sort of the level of my dressmaking well, that's, that's interesting. I, I didn't pick out a niche book. I couldn't really think of what was, but it's just brought to mind. I do have one on my bookshelf. And if I can find it, I'll add it to the show notes. But uh, it's about dresses made from paper. They're like 18th century costumes, all made from paper. But I, I, I can't remember what it's called. So that's fairly niche, isn't it? That is very niche. Yeah, I'll see if I can dig it out. so next question if you're going to put a book on your Christmas list this year what's it going to be mm. well yes I noticed that you put on the show notes Nigel Slater's book Christmas Chronicles and as soon as I saw that I thought oh I've not got that I would love to read that because it's the time of year it's the time of year for Nigel Slater really Christmas I think it is yeah yeah um, but in terms of arty books, creative books, I had a quick look at the Batsford um, website and there was one there called Raw Drawing by Alessandro Bonacorsi. And it's about taking a doodle or a scribble. Did I write something out here? Um, yes, a practical resource that teaches you how to draw spontaneously and creatively without any inhibition. A non-judgmental technique to help you visualise your thoughts and develop your ideas and relax with a pen and pencil and I thought actually if I was going to get a new book I need something like that to take me out of my head and <laughs> just just relax and just you know just create and just stop thinking all the time I tell you Isabel a year with me doing this you're going to be sick of me telling you stop overthinking just do it <laughs> <laughs> I, might learn, I might learn eventually I might learn eventually. Any students listening to this will probably recognise that. Don't overthink it. Just do it. Just make a decision. Just do it. <laughs> well, the thing is, I say that to my students. 
<laughs> yes, do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, the only other thing, actually, sorry, again, I can't make decisions. Don't ask me to make a decision on choosing one book. Really, the best best book I should have for Christmas is a blank notebook. I, I don't one. need... <laughs> sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> another blank sketchbook to add to my stash <laughs> but no really I don't need any more words I don't need any more thinking I don't need any more input really I just need to I've got too much swirling around in my head already really I don't really need any more books any more ideas any more any more coming in I need to start sorting through what's rattling around in my head and get it out brilliant <laughs> well I've only got one book on my Christmas list because I didn't overthink it and I thought that sounds like a nice book I'd quite like that <laughs> and it's called Patchwork two separate words and it's a life among clothes and it's by Claire Wilcox and it's a V&A publication and Claire Wilcox is one of the curators at the Victoria and Albert Museum. And I think the blurb says it's from her earliest memories of her dressing up box. So it's a memoir, really, and goes through her life working with textiles. And she's also been the curator of some of the big V&A exhibitions, including Savage Beauty, which I spoke about earlier, and the Frida Kahlo exhibition, which was the last big one I think I saw there. And I just thought it sounded interesting. But, so that's that's mine, because I thought it sounded like a, the sort of book I'd like to read over Christmas. I like something I can read over Christmas. So shall we finish with our diversions and discoveries? So yes. this is this is something we thought we would introduce as a regular feature. So we've called it diversions and discoveries. So final thoughts or words of wisdom or something that we found interesting that we think our listeners might be interested in. So would you like to go first with yours? Yeah, and this is where my Nigel Slater book comes in because ah. I think, like you say, he comes into his own this time of year. And the Christmas Chronicles are not just about Christmas. It's a form of kitchen diary and it starts at the beginning of November and goes through to the beginning of February. But it's more about embracing the season and going out for wintry walks and going to choose things from the markets when you're allowed out to markets. And then that coming in from the cold and having the light indoors. And to me, I think at this time of year, it's very easy to sink into sort of feeling very low and miserable. And I just think it's another another season, it will pass. No, I don't like the dark and the early darkness, but you know, I could do without the rain that's coming down today, but it's another season. And I quite like the fact that it's cold and you go out for wrapped up for a cold walk. And he writes about that so beautifully. Mm, he does, it's really evocative writing, yes. Yeah. And so it's just for me, I, I always read it this time of year. I start in November and I read what he has to say about going out the different days and what he cooks on each day. And of course, I like to cook as well. And so and he writes about food beautifully and the memories it evokes. And so I think for me, that's my inspiration at the moment. And a word of wisdom. Yeah. Embrace the season. And if you don't like it, it will pass. 
Excellent. So for me, I, I so first of all, I thought I have no words of wisdom. I have no thoughts. I don't know. And I looked back in, I've got a little book that I keep on my desk. I just sort of scribble things up. You know, when I hear something on a podcast, whatever, I just scribble something down. And I scribbled something down the other day and um, and I've thought about it a bit more. And so this is my thing. So it was an interview with Seth Godin and he was being interviewed about his new book called The Practice, which is about doing the work regardless of how you're feeling. <laughs> Interesting topic in itself. And he said this, he said, particularly in this moment of upheaval, it's important we fill our days with things that have meaning for us. And it's so much easier to decide to find meaning in what we do than to go shopping around hoping to find something to give us meaning. I mean, he's talking about trying to find your passion or your purpose and that you just got to do the work anyway. And then the passion will find you by doing the work. But I was thinking about it and I thought it's when he said, you know, you, rather than going shopping around, to find something to give us me meaning. We can't go shopping at the moment. Literally, we're stuck in the same place. We can't see people. And the lockdown, the separation, you know, in a lot of cases, it is quite unfair and indiscriminate and it's worrying and you know it can be sad and christmas can be a sad time as well and particularly this year so really we have no choice but to try and find a way through it and so we can choose to find meaning in the little day-to-day -day things the little routines rituals daily walks noticing and just being in the moment um which is why I think there might have been a moment of tension in this household this morning when we were on our walk and I was trying to take photos of raindrops and my husband was standing there in the rain huffing <laughs> <laughs> and the dog standing there looking dejected while I'm trying to be in the moment and look at the raindrops. I'm with you, I would do that. You see, and I, I actually... That's interesting because actually I think we've both almost said the same thing really, isn't it? It's about finding the joy in yes. the meaning in every day. Yes. And then there was one last thing. I've just finished a book by Tim Spector um, called uh, Spoon Fed, Why Almost Everything You've Been Told About Food Is Wrong. And I have literally just finished reading that. Too. Have you just finished reading it? Brilliant. So you'll know what I was going to say. Um, I've just been reading the, the chapter on alcohol and his conclusion is while it's important for governments to protect a nation, they really should be worrying about the binge drinkers. Whereas the people having a little glass of wine in the evening with a meal, go for it. It's actually perfectly healthy. So continue doing that. So that is our little ritual in this household we have decided we're going to continue doing that having our little glass of wine in the evening i was thinking maybe we should you know ease off during the week when i say ease off we have one glass <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah part of finding the meaning in the everyday is looking looking to these little daily things so taking the dog for a walk in the rain and just appreciating you know the outside the outside world and looking at the raindrops and looking at the ripples in the puddles and then in the evening we have our little glass of wine and we light the fire and uh, in that moment all is well with the world thank you for listening um if you enjoyed it please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode we've got lots of really good episodes lined up 
We're going to be back in three weeks because we're taking a little break over Christmas, but we're going to be here on New Year's Eve talking about planning, I think, and plans. Oh, it sounds a bit plans. serious. Not going to be serious. This is me. <laughs> sounds a bit thinky thinky. Let's let's not have thinky thinky. <laughs> Isabel will be thinking about her plans for the future and I will make it up on the day. <laughs> I may surprise you. You might do. <laughs> so I think we just want to say please have a quiet, but happy and safe Christmas if that's what you celebrate. Most importantly, stay safe. And in the meantime, you can find us at isabelmore.co.uk and Gina Ferrari art.co.uk and we'll see you in three weeks time or well, we won't see you but um you can hear us in three weeks time we'll be back <laughs> we'll be back in three weeks time okay stay safe everyone have a good christmas bye Thank you for listening. If you like the music, it's by Ixon and you can find it at soundcloud.com slash Ixon and the link is also in the show notes.